Father, we have just sung a song about whatever we do, we want to do it for the glory of God. Help us from reading the Bible tonight to make that more than a song, but to make that the new direction of our lives. And we pray that in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Amen. Amen. John chapter 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, and have, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus wanted to live for the glory of God, and we're going to be learning how to do that too. Let's stop, and the children will go to their groups, and then we'll carry on. Left, we'll start. Uh, we'll start recognizing that it's dark, it's cold, it's wet, it's winter. So, who wants a bit of sunshine? <laughs> I think so. Uh, the trouble is, all the holiday places are flogging sun on the telly, but we can't afford to go there. So tonight's got to be a free trip in Beckentry Church and we're going to uh, hit the sunshine but I'm going to call it it's like having inner sun as we look at the Bible and in the light of that sun we'll be living in a new destination next week if we take in all that the Bible has to tell us tonight. So that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at a place in the sun. And wonderfully, it's a paradise that was discovered 500 years ago by a monk called Martin Luther. Now, he lived in a time of great darkness as well, because at that time the church had shut the Bible, and if anything, the church added to the darkness. And what the monk Martin Luther did was he opened up his Bible and suddenly sunshine everywhere. He discovered that uh, the Bible opened up a whole new world of joy when we understand what God is like and we understand how fantastic and glorious he is. And so what Martin Luther did was he wrote 95 essays or theses, they called it in those days, and he nailed it to the largest uh, notice board at that time, which was a door of a church in a place called Wittenberg. But 95 is a lot to take in, so in the 1930s, someone said, look, let's move 95 into 5. And we look at the five important things that Martin Luther discovered that brought sunshine into Europe as the news spread. And you looked at the five already in our service. 
it was scripture alone and uh, it was God, it was uh, scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, in Christ alone. And the alone word is sola in Latin, and so therefore they were called the five solas. Today we look at the last one, which uh, is uh, to the glory of God alone. And again, if you wanted the Latin, you probably don't, but it's soli deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. And that's what we're going to look at. And there's just two things worth doing with the glory of God. One is to love it. Two is to live it. Okay? So first, love it. Uh, What's the glory of God? It is really to understand that God is brilliant. That's what Jesus says he does in John chapter 17. He showed the world how fantastic God was. They looked at him, they saw what God was like. And as Hannah said, they went, wow. Except it's slightly different. Because the reason why God is so brilliant is that he is so different. And that word, holy, is the word the Bible uses to show how separate God is from us. And he is just so different to us that the Bible says he is one of a kind. He is holy. But when the holiness of God, which makes him so different, so one of a kind, gets seen by other people, then holiness in public view is called glory. So you see the two words together. If you could just stay in John chapter 17, stick a finger there and go to Isaiah chapter 6 and to verse 3. It's on page 569, sorry, page 571, I meant to say. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3, can you see? The seraphim call out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That's the holy word. He is so different, very different. And when you see it, the whole earth is full of his glory. And so holiness on public view is where we get the idea that God is glorious. And we love it because This is such a one of a kind God. It's a bit like a a diamond. Uh, If you look at a a diamond, and uh, it is the most, uh, you get the rarest diamond, the most precious diamond, and you say, This is one of a kind diamond. And as you look at this great uh, one of a kind God, uh, you just don't have any more time for the other diamond gods that people might like to follow. And like the diamond, there are different uh, uh, wonderful uh, uh, 
colours and lights that come out of it and different aspects of God's perfection come out in the Bible and are described there. So, for example, uh, you get uh, the Bible talking about the glory of His grace. That's one angle in Ephesians chapter uh, 1 and verse 6. Just keep, one John, uh, keep John 17 in your finger and just turn to the right and you will get to Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter 1 is on page 976. Ephesians chapter 1, 976. And you look at verse 6 and it says, To the praise of His glorious grace. One of the wonderful aspects, the light shining out of God's glory, is his glorious grace. Another thing that shines out of God's glory, just turn a few pages more to the right, and you get to 2 Thessalonians on page 989. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9 talks about the glory of God's might. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That's another wonderful stream of light and brightness that comes out of the glory of God, the glory of his might. So glory is not just a, a, a colorless word. It is full of color and it describes the combined perfection of God in so many different ways flashing out of this wonderful diamond, the glory of God. Now, the thing is that most people don't see it. And yet, if you look at uh, uh, John chapter 17, Ruth, uh, and uh, if you've got a Bible to look at it, uh, John chapter 17, and you'll see that um, uh, in verse 5 it says that it was there to see even before the world existed. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. It's always been there. It's just that so few discover this uh, wonderful diamond and look at it closely. And so, therefore, this, if I can put it like this, this one-of-a-kind God, this take-your-breath-away God was there even before the world began glorious and uh, holy. And so therefore uh, we have in ourselves, I don't know if you've noticed, but every now and then you will have discovered how you love little snippets, little experiences of glory. You know, like that first mouthful of a fantastic meal. And you think, this is, this is heavenly. So good. Or there might be a little bit of uh, music. You might hear Debbie playing and uh, say, uh, this is glorious. Uh, it is just so good. That uh, wonderful piece of music you might have uh, heard. Or um, a beautiful sunset. Uh, uh, and you look at Dagnum in this wonderful uh, uh, light and you say, my heart skips a beat. There's something in us that is really thrilled when we see a touch of your glory. But, but those little things that we're looking at that we think are just wonderful, they're just like little shards 
of glory on the ground, help, helping us to see that there is that we all have a, an appetite for glory. We love what is glorious. And they point to the glory of God, uh, where ultimately the greatest glory is to be found. So all of us were made to find our deepest pleasure in this one of a kind. Take your breath away, God, because he is so glorious and everything is pointing that way to him. Love it. But also, uh, yes, there's a little glorious to point that way. Uh, live for it. And it's just a way of saying it like this, that help other people to see God as glorious as well. Live for that reputation. Uh, in the British Army, there is a fairly uh, exclusive regiment called the Parachute Regiment. And in fact, actually, the, all the British Army regiments uh, uh, work well because the army, right from the start, knew that the way to get people working well together was to bring them into small little regiments and, and each regiment has its own special flag. Sometimes it's called a standard. And everybody is loyal to that regiment and loyal to the flag. And the parachute regiment, when they were going through uh, the Falkland Islands with uh, fantastic effectiveness, no one could stop them. Their battle cries, they went into action, was die for para. Whatever, whatever happened, we wanted to live for the glory of the regiment. That was the, the, the desire of people going into Goose Green and uh, various dangerous, dangerous theatres that they faced there. And whatever happened in the old days, if you had your flag and you were fighting your battle, the one thing you wouldn't do was let the enemy come and capture your flag. You would hang on to that. You would give your life to hang on to the glory of your regiment. Nothing would uh, want to take away from its reputation. And those flags, as you go on, the various battle honours that they won, various campaigns would appear on their flag to say, this is a regiment that we are proud of. We fight for the glory of this regiment. And in the same way, the Christians are an elite group of people that live for the glory of the Lord Jesus. That is our one motivation, his reputation and his glory. Because for us, to live for anything less than the glory of Jesus is ultimately to live for a, a lower standard, a lower uh, goal, a lower serving. The highest is that the highest thing in the world is the glory of God, and therefore Christians cannot live for anything higher or certainly won't live for anything lower than the glory of God. That's what they live for. That's our highest motivation. And when you start thinking like that, it affects the decisions that you make on all sorts of levels, in every level, even in the simple levels, like what you might like to eat. 
So, for example, there were a group of people in the Bible, they lived in a town called Corinth, but they had a conversation going about what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat. Now, there were some people in that town who, when they went to the market to buy their meat, if that meat in the marketplace had been sacrificed first that morning to an idol, then these Christians wouldn't buy that meat because they said, no, it's been sacrificed to an idol, we won't touch it, it's off the menu. Other Christians said, hey, idols, nothing. But a good steak is a good steak. I'm having it. I can eat anything. Not fast if it went to an idol first. And so therefore, these Christians were working out, well, should we eat it, shouldn't we eat it? And what does Paul say when he comes into the, into the picture? He says, I'll tell you what. If you've got to eat something that goes and upsets somebody else because they think that's wrong, then don't eat it. Lots of other things that you can have. But the interesting thing is, if you look just a few more pages to the right at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, he doesn't say, now, uh, do it, because you, know, you want to be loving, loving your brother, which is an entirely right thing to do, and he does want the Corinthians to do that. But it is when he writes 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31, it's like that song we just sang. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do, do all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. When you make up your mind, even about simple things like what you eat and what you drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's why churches do what we do. That's why we have those 4,000 Christmas leaflets in a corner. That's why we want to go to every single home in our estate and to help people to see that God is enormously fantastic. Why? Because we want them to walk in sunshine rather than darkness, to see what a glorious God we have. And so therefore, when you look at the Bible, and um, I think this might be the last time I'm going to ask you to go somewhere. So go, come with me to uh, Psalm 96 and uh, page 499. Page 499. And Psalm 96, where it talks about how Christians or believers, because Jesus hadn't come yet, so we call them believers, and we understand the greatness of God, the glory of God, that makes us sing. We've got the diamond, we look at it and we say, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, and here we go, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. So we go wanting to declare the glory of God, to say, look, this God is far greater, 
more diamond-like than you ever imagined. And for the Christians of Beckentry Church, it is a wonderful thing if even in a small way God will use us this Christmas to go and hurt people on our estate to see how glorious he is. And that's how Christians live. Living for ourselves is easy. Just that it puts us in darkness. But living for God's glory is to walk in the greatest sunshine that exists. Although it is a hard thing to do. And it was a hard thing to do for the people uh, in that uh, Reformation. Yes, um, I'm falling down with the slides a bit, but there we are, we've caught up. And in the, res- in the Reformation, people would die, as Hannah was describing earlier in our all-age slot, for the glory of God. Let me tell you, my friends, if you haven't got anything to die for, you haven't got anything to live for. And therefore, what our reformers did was they said the glory of God is so great, we will live for it. And they were teaching the Bible. That's what Martin Luther did. He opened up the Bible and he said, let the sun shine on God's glory. But then the Bible teachers who came after him, and they were doing that as well, but for them it was a very different situation and two of them were, well, a lot of them actually, were burnt. They were tied to a pole and lots of uh, uh, firewood was placed around them and the firewood was set on fire and people were burnt alive. As Hannah said, even children were burnt alive. One of the earliest recordings of burning alive was actually to do with children who were only taught by their parents to say the Lord's Prayer in English. You might just want to remember that when in a moment in our service we say the Lord's Prayer in English, once upon a time you will be burnt like that for reading the Lord's Prayer in English. It's a very dangerous thing to do 500 years ago. But these two men... Uh, were set on fire. One was called Nicholas Ridley and the other was called Hugh Latimer. And as they were burning, as the fire was lit, Hugh Latimer turned to Nicholas Ridley and he said, Play the man, Master Ridley. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace, which I trust will never be put out. So as they were burning, what they were saying, God would use that like a candle for his glory. And that flame was never put out. Which it wasn't because then the English that they taught people to speak in is now what we're doing in church. And they died because they wanted the glorious God to be seen by people in their own language. So what does that mean for us? Well, I want to suggest that actually it means that we don't want to be hanging around in darkness. My friend, if you're not yet a Christian, 
or listening to this tape on our internet, on our website, and you're not Christian. It is a horrible thing to live in darkness, and yet that's exactly what we do when we make decisions that essentially say to God, you are not glorious. All the thinking that we've done that essentially is saying that to God will make our lives darker and darker and darker. And the answer is we need to leave the darkness and step into the light and to say, no, this God is glorious. And I need to learn how glorious he is as I understand about the Lord Jesus. And I need to live for God's glory the way the Lord Jesus did, the way we read in John 17, when he said that uh, uh, the Son had uh, uh, glorified God on earth. And that's how we want to follow him as well. It may be not that you're a first-timer to Christian things. It may be that you've actually gone to church lots of times. But let me tell you about one thing that happens to people who've often gone to churches lots of times. They've spoken to me. I think the question I want to ask you is, in all the different times you've gone to church, have you increased and grown in your understanding that God is glorious? Because the church at Martin Luther's time, well, they put people into greater darkness, not into greater light. And many of the churches that we go to actually do the same thing. They create darkness and they get us down. They plunge our lives into darkness. They give us lists of things to do that actually puts the spotlight on us rather than on God. And so therefore we need to come into the sunshine to study uh, God's glory and to see that actually it is all about what he does, not what we do. And to start walking the sunshine of such good news that that's what Christianity is all about. What happens if you are a genuine believer? I want to suggest that uh, we spend more time looking at this diamond, to study it. Because one thing about the glory of God, as you learn from it in the Bible, you will find that you will see it is something greater and larger and more immense. The more you look at it, the more it increases in size. So start learning how to study the glory of God in the Bible and to understand that that is why the Bible was written to show you what God's glory was like so that it would become bigger and more significant in the way that you look at God. And as you do that, the sunshine brightens and warms and uh, grows and increases. Study the glory of God when you come to the Bible. Say, how, do I, how is this 
passage going to show me how God is glorious? Look at the Bible in that way. Secondly, live it. Live for the glory of God. Whatever you do, 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 do it all for the glory of God. Walk in sunshine by living this next week with that motive and that desire in your mind so that in some way even how you eat might bring glory to God how you give what he has given you well that that might bring him glory that how you relate to people how you spend time in evangelism helping other people to see his glory maybe as we go around with our Christmas card and leaflet whatever you do this week go into the new week wanting to do it all for the glory of God love it live it and serve that glory there is no higher purpose that you can give your life to let's pray that God will help us to do that and we'll do that in a moment of quiet first you think about what God is saying to you through what we have looked at this evening and I'll keep a moment of quiet while you think about what God is saying to you what is going to be the take home for you out of what we've heard today and then I'll pray together afterwards. We've had our minutes, let me pray. The Apostle Paul writes, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our Father, we do want to thank you for uh, the great uh, delight of uh, the Bible teaching that that you are so glorious and as we realize that and grow in our understanding of that there is wonderful warmth and sunshine and light and we pray that you will help us to grow in those convictions to grow in that joy as we study your glory And we pray, Lord, that you would please help us to walk in the light as we live for your glory. We confess to you, Father, we've often walked in darkness. We make decisions that do not glorify you. Please help us to make decisions, to live lives that do all of the glory of your name. Help us to start tonight, to live it this week, And to know your blessing as we continue living for your glory in all the days ahead. And we pray for that in the name of Jesus and for the glory of your great name. Amen. Amen.